by the time that Solomon built the temple and became his own wonder of the world, the wealth of Solomon was greater than the five trillion dollars now amassed by Google, Apple, Amazon, and the rest. There is no comparison in any terms to the amount of money and wealth that Solomon had. Even the Queen of Sheba, when she came to view it, wondered at the splendor of the servants that attended Solomon's palace. And she said, the half has not been told. But by the time that he has amassed all of that wealth, with many relationships, marriages that were really treaties and bonds with other nations. After he had spent so much time building, restoring, and erecting all types of buildings in Israel, he now comes to a conclusion that all of us need to finally settle on that the material things will never really matter. And by the time he puts down his pen and parchment to rehearse and write to us almost all of the Proverbs in Ecclesiastes, he is called the preacher. Solomon, now the preacher. I'm stepping forward through a myriad of his words of wisdom and the chapters that he wrote to finally get to chapter 12. And I know I've given a lot of verses to the sound department. I'm just in the media, rather. I'm, I may not read all of them, but I'll tell you which ones. We'll, we'll get to the first four, and I'll pick another one or two. Are you ready now? Verse 1. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. Just pause there for a moment and think about that. While the sun or the light or the moon or the stars be not darkened, nor the clouds return after the rain. Now this is an imagery of a young person becoming a middle-aged person, becoming an elderly person, and then a senior. So there's a couple words in here that, that we might find somewhat humorous, but it's, it's what happens. It happens to everybody eventually. In the day when the keepers of the house shall tremble, the strong men shall bow themselves, and the grinders cease because they are few. And those that look out of the windows be dark. So in this, in this description, it's a graphic description. It's talking about the decline of life. Those years that follow the time of youth and the young adults. The gradual decay of the creeping body bowing. It's the dwelling place of the spirit, your body. It's depicted like a house. It's parts. The keepers of the house are the arms the strong men, bones, legs. The strong men are the bones, the legs. The grinders are the teeth. Those that look through the windows, those are the eyes. So you lose your teeth. Your eyes don't work. Your legs kind of pop. For no good reason, you get up from a chair and you sprained your ankle. The bottom of your foot hurts and you didn't even do anything. <laughs> All right, verse four, we're, we're, we're walking here now. This is it's getting comfortable for people. And the doors shall be shut in the streets when the sound of the grinding is low. You, it's, he's talking about not having teeth, gumming the food. Mm -hmm. 
and he shall rise up at the voice of the bird, and all the daughters of music shall be brought low. You can't hear as well. The doors are shut. The lips are closed. It leaves just something else happening there. The voice of aged men becomes pitched. It's not you don't you can't carry the tune as well. Did you just hear Brother Grant Doherty sing? He hit two or three octaves there. Just kind of moved around, glided around. Pay attention, enjoy that. We should enjoy that. There'll come a day when he won't be able to do that. Haven't you ever felt that now where you, you, you were young and you could do things and then your body told you you could not? Your brain said you could, your body said no. So you decided to be a big shot and get out on the basketball court and play a little ball with everybody. And you paid the price for the next week. And your wife said, I don't feel sorry for you. You're a big dummy for getting out there and playing softball. Who do you think you are? That's good, Roman. Keep it going. This is real solemn. This is a solemn moment. It's sad. This is kind of like a funeral going on right now. Uh Uh-huh. You wake up in the morning. You don't know where you put your teeth and you want to eat. People. Yeah, yeah. It's what he's talking about. Your eyes don't work as well. Yeah, you have to have readers. You try to make them stylish. You know, when you're young, there's young people that walk around with glasses and they're not readers or anything. They're just clear glasses because they're fashionable. We did that. We were young. We had, in fact, there was a time when we all had glasses. We just bought them at Walmart and walked around and we could see real clear. They were like putting on a tie. Uh-huh. Your ears don't work. The sound is impaired. Verse 5. And when they shall be afraid of that which is high and fear shall be in the way and the almond tree, think of that, shall flourish. The grasshopper shall be burdened. The zyra shall fall. Because man goeth to his long home, and the mourners go about the street. Here's the aged man. He's a white-haired man. Full-bloomed almond tree. It was pink, but it's turned white. And it's the allusion to the grasshopper. It's referred to the aged man. His gait now is bent. His gait means the way he walks is his gait. He doesn't find pleasure in anything. His body is just existing. Something's happening. Now go back up to verse 1. Remember your creator in the days of your youth. There'll come a day when you don't have pleasure in your time. It'll be tough. He'll go on to talk about this aging process. And finally, he'll come to a conclusion. Verse 13, and I'll end here, verse 13. So he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. This is the conclusion of all of it. The whole matter. Fear God. Keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. Ladies and gentlemen, fear God. Keep his word. That's the whole duty of every person. Now I'm... I'm preaching a word here, but I, my title is not real... It's not real clean. It's, it's, it's kind of messy. And I'd like to straighten it up, but I'll... I'll work on it while I'm preaching. And I just want to speak to you. I want all the young people to hear me and children to hear me. I want all the young adults to hear me. I want all the middle-aged folks and people that are, that are past the middle age. 
want all the seniors to hear me, but I, I want you to know where you're at in this house. And I want to talk about something. I, I, I'm drawn to it and the Lord has spoke to me, so I'm, I'm delivering it in the best way I can. I'm dreaming about it at night. And I'm just, I'm speaking this word. Decisions I did not know I was making. Amen. I want to talk to you for a little bit. Everybody said amen. Thank you. You may be seated. In consideration of the scripture, there is an allowance, at least an understanding of it. Even at this moment, the Jewish culture is far different from our own culture. But 2,000 years ago, when the Bible was being lived out in real time, the culture was if I could even say it deeper, uh, more prevalent, widespread than it is today in Israel. In the days of the early church, few, if any, Jewish families would consider themselves what people consider themselves now in the Jewish culture. Few, if any, would ever say that they were modern or orthodox. They would just simply reply that they were Jewish people. Hasidic Judaism did not even make its appearance until somewhere around the 18th century. You might recognize the Hasidic Jew by their distinct clothing or by the men who have long sideburns flowing, they're curly. Today there are several levels of Judaism and adherences. But the first century was not that way. The people were mostly in just two camps. They were a Jew or they were a Gentile. And to that end, other things were very common too. Like a disciple. Disciples were very common. But of course, when we read the Bible, we tend to think that only the disciples were those of Jesus Christ. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew, and Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, Zelotes, Judas, the brother of James. Judas Iscariot. These were the disciples of Jesus Christ, but, but there were many other disciples and many other rabbis and teachers. In fact, following a teacher or a rabbi was actually the norm. It wasn't unusual. It was a form of schooling. It was a religious, small religious body, a common practice in Jewish culture. So when we read of the 12 disciples of Jesus or of his other 70 disciples, just know that it was common John the Baptist had his own unique disciples, some of which never followed Jesus. And speaking of the twelve, they did have uniqueness. They were drawn to this Jesus of Nazareth because they were called mostly past the time of their normal inclusion into following a rabbi or into this group some men account them as a ragtag, ragtag group of men, some motley crew. Some even purport that this group was made up of religious dropouts. They did not come to Jesus in the traditional way. They, they were all past the age of 12, which is about the time that they would have been accepted with the rabbi, except for John, who was the youngest of them all. They were past the point of normal religious schooling. They had already taken up the trades of their father which meant clearly that they were not part of that elite group of disciples. But Jesus drew them, he called them, he beckoned to them, and they in turn made their choice to follow him. He called them and they received his offer. It was the choice of a lifetime. Although I submit to you that they were making decisions they didn't know they were making. Their choice to follow Jesus was the pivot point of their entire lives. But they could not have imagined that he was 
the incarnate God. They didn't know the gravity of the moment to follow him, to choose him, to walk with him, to walk by him. Even by their own admission, they didn't really know who he was. It was revealed that day that the Lord stood on the bow of the boat and calmed the storm that raged on the Sea of Galilee. They were dumbfounded at his power. He spoke to the winds and the waves, peace be still, and the waters became placid like glass. Then he turned to them. Here's the Bible. He said, where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, what banner of man is this? Who is this man? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. Who is this man? Who can do what he just did? Who has the power? The winds, the water, the storm, obey him. They had no idea. They had made a choice to follow him, but they did not know the choices and decisions they were making. In fact, it wasn't until after Jesus had died and was resurrected that his teachings and his words made sense. He often spoke to them and they didn't really figure it out until later. In fact, I'll offer a few scriptures. There are many. They understood none of these things. And, and, and this saying was hid from them. Neither knew they the things which were spoken. John 12. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified. That means after he died, resurrected, was there 40 days and was glorified. Then remembered they the things which were written of him. And they that had done these things unto him. While they were with him, they didn't really understand. It wasn't until he was gone from them. They didn't know. Philip looked straight into the face of Jesus Christ and asked to see the Father. John 14. He didn't know who he was looking at. But come to find out, Philip was looking full face into the image and the face of God. When you've seen me, Philip, you've seen the Father. Philip had no idea that Jesus was the express image of the Father. They made a decision to follow him, but they did not grasp the choice they had made. So now I'm going to try to clean up my title. Life choices. Life decisions. Life decisions I made. Life choices I made. I didn't know I was making They're all around us. They come in times when you are unaware. They come through people. They pass by you. Some of them are in this house. Powerful, pivotal people walking by you. You rub shoulders with them. And the decision to be next to them might escape you. Conversations that you might have that change the course of your life, they hover over us continually. David made some good choices, King David. The day he chose chose to ask permission to face Goliath, he was young, would change the course of of his nation's history. He was so young, he was full of faith, courage, but he could not imagine the ripple effect in his life. For him to choose to fight a Goliath. He didn't know. He didn't know when he struck Goliath with that rock. And then ran over and picked up the sword. And levied it in his hands. And plunged it down on the neck of that great giant. And cut his head off. He had no idea what he was holding that day. Because there was a day coming. When he would live like a vagabond. And he had no weapon And he would discover the sword of Goliath in a little city called Nob. He found it again and it saved him. You see, David saw a battle. He saw a giant and he experienced a victory. What he did not see was favor and leadership and future blessings. He was making choices. But he also made some terrible choices. Yes, the day that he decided to stay home from the battle. And wistfully wandering atop his palace, he then looked over and lusted after a woman that was not his wife. That day would haunt him for decades to come. David saw a beautiful woman. He saw the appeasement of his own flesh. What he did not see was a divided kingdom and the death of her firstborn son. He was making a choice that he didn't know he was making. Much like Abraham's nephew, Lot. 
Abraham held the covenant by God. God made a covenant with Abraham and Lot knew it full well. Lot should have known better, but instead of standing next to Abraham, Lot decided to take his own path. Instead of hiding himself in Abraham, he decided he wanted to do his own thing. And so he did, and upon the offer, Lot looked up, he saw the well-watered plains that held the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He saw opportunity, money, and advancement. What he did not see was God's fire falling from heaven to consume those same cities. He saw independence, no longer under the shadow of Abraham, but what he did not see was that his wife was going to suffer, her heart would be hardened, and her body would turn into a pillar of salt. He saw all that, but he didn't see the debauchery of his own daughters. A decision, a choice, he didn't know he was making. The frightening thing here is, there are many choices, and I wonder how many choices are being made without any realization to where they lead. I'm not talking about going on vacation, or what restaurant you might end up today or tomorrow. I'm not talking about the trivial things. I'm preaching about life decisions, life choices that lead you deeper into the Lord or farther away from Him. I'm talking about taking up jobs that consume your weekends so that you cannot come to church. Relationships that draw you away from the house of God. Things that deter your life or Things that you do deliberately so that you can worship the Lord and be involved in the things of God. Did Moses really know where his decisions would lead him? He chose to suffer for a season with the people of God and enjoy the pleasures of sin for that same season. He didn't know. He was making a choice. Abraham chose to follow God without any evidence. And when the Lord called his disciples, there were just empty nets idly sitting there by the Sea of Galilee because so many of the disciples chose to follow Jesus and they just left it all. I stand here to tell you about decisions that you're making right now that determine where you'll be next year. There are decisions being made right now and if you make the right decision, you'll be deeper in God, stronger in the Lord. You, you may feel a little faithless, maybe not as strong, but the decisions you're making right now are going to save you next year. It could even be before the end of this year, the year, the year will not even close before the decision that you're making right now comes to fruition. And you'll gain power and strength because of what you made today. And some of you are going to make decisions And they're going to draw you right out. And you'll look back and wonder why you ever serve the Lord. Because those decisions and choices, life choices, are going to move you away. Now I know it sounds simplistic, but when I graduated and then went back to school and graduated again, I didn't have any money. (laughs) I had some college debt. Every other week, my dad would give me $15 because that's all he had. So, but that was, that was okay. I, I could get a couple McDonald's breakfast meals and it was fine. When I graduated, though, I didn't have any money and come to find out I didn't have any credit because thank God I didn't have a credit card. But you cannot buy a car without credit. But at the time, Nissan had a promotion in all of their dealerships. For those who did not have established credit, they allowed the customer to present a diploma. And if you had a four-year degree, you got four years of good credit. And I had six years, so I got six years of good credit. And I could buy whatever I could afford, which was nothing. But I had a broken-down Corvette Stingray, 1975, black on black, skirting, black interior. I looked bad. Of course, it didn't run. We could have a date. We just couldn't go anywhere. Because if it overheated, which it did all the time, 
I did have a date at Bible school one time, and I went to start my car, and it didn't start. So I gave it to Brother Sleva. He messed around with it. He used butter knives on it or something. I don't know. what I used my friend's car. We went to the Christmas banquet. <laughs> that was the dumbest, dopey little car I was driving my friend's car, but at least it got there and got me back. Uh-huh. So I went to Nissan and they, they offered me whatever car. I found a Nissan Altima. It was the only way I could buy a car. I bought it, not because I thought it was a great model, not because I did any research on it. I made a decision by default. I saw an opening to buy a new car. What I didn't see was 12 years of driving that car and 365,000 miles later before I sold it. Praise God. It was an important decision I didn't know I was making. When I finally convinced Tammy to marry me, we moved to Columbus, Ohio. I'll never forget our first introduction. We went into Brother and Sister Stark's house and we sat on their couch. It was one of the most important decisions of our lives. And he became and has become, if not the most important man in my life called me this afternoon to check up on me. He became my pastor, my shepherd. He has the veto power in my life. He can say whatever he wants to me. If he needs to tell me something, he can. But it was pleasant when he said, Son, I'm proud of you. Keep praying, keep preaching. I chose to put my shoulder underneath his arm. It was a critical decision in my life. That decision to have him over me has affected all of you. Even if you don't know it, it has affected this entire church. It was a life choice. You're making choices right now. Decisions. They're not minimal decisions. After your choice to follow God... You'll have to make that over and over and over again. I don't ever want you to think that you stop choosing the Lord. You have to choose him every day of your life. There's always going to be something that gets in the way. It's not that God won't be there, but people are conflicted with options. We have more options today than we ever have had in our entire lives. And options are a greater hindrance than false doctrine. Trust me when I tell you, there was a day when there was only two or three restaurants in town. In my little town, anyway. In fact, there was almost no franchises except Hardee's, and there was a family restaurant called Chum's. And the Chumney family owned the restaurant. And you could go to Hardee's, or you could go to Chum's. That's where you went. Or you could stay home and eat mom's pasta. That was better. Praise God. Thank the Lord. There was another restaurant. Rosalie's. I remember spending the night with my grandmother and grandfather many, many years ago. And they put me on the couch and I was watching the television. And when the television went off, there was the national anthem. A flag was on the television every night. I don't know what time. 11, 10, midnight. Midnight, oh, say can you see? And then it was done. Nothing. There was no internet. YouTube were two different words. You. A tube. Come on, help me now. All you people that are grinding, come on, help me. All you got your grinders, come on, help me now. Come on, the old men are creaking here. I'm talking about you. Come on, men. There was no options. There were three television stations, and I think one was a UV or something. 
And to get him to come in clear, you had banana ears, which were antennas. That's right. And, and, then, and then if it didn't come in, come in well, Grandpa had a whole roll of tinfoil wrapped around and it tucked up. Grandma would get mad. She said, that looks silly. Put that down, Shmeel. Get that down there. She'd call him Shmeel. I don't know what that means. I hope it's not a bad word. It's an Italian thing. Lord, forgive me if it's bad. Somebody in Italy right now is going, turn that off, turn that off. Who is that right now? There were three channels, three. You got your option, gun smoke, the Joker's wild, and a news channel, Walter Cronkite. I don't know. Yeah, No options, no options. Handful of stuff. And then all of a sudden, options started to arise. And people started to make choices. The choice. And the choice became more and more critical. You see, your first and most important choice and daily choice is to serve the Lord. So ladies and gentlemen, if you are married, your choice is to serve God. And to stay married. Mm-hmm. And if your spouse is like a blind, warm blooded mammal rising from a hot place, your choice is to stay married and serve God. Did you hear that little rumble over there with Sister Tammy? Uh Uh-oh, oh no. Caution. That's all right, honey. People don't get my jokes. Mm -hmm. But if you're not, the second great choice you will ever make in your life is who you're going to serve God with. There is no greater choice than who you choose to serve God with. No greater choice. The life choice that you make will never rise higher than who you choose to spend your days with. Amen. It's a life choice. It's a decision. And we can ill afford... To make any life choice decisions without prayer and soberness and seriousness and calmness and covering and counseling. Don't ever choose anybody who you know is not going to serve God. And I don't know who's listening to me tonight, but don't ever choose somebody who you think after you choose them, they'll make a commitment to God. Your marriage is not going to straighten them out. You being married to them shouldn't be a concession of negotiation so they can start coming to church. Because time will tell that eventually they'll just chew gum and play on their phone until finally they'll be at home. I had talked to you about something tonight. I had to talk to you about choices, decisions I didn't know I was making. I didn't realize the power of submission. When I decided to be submissive. My pastor knew it. But I didn't know it. And my pastor put me in positions where I had to choose. To rise up against him or be submissive to him. Help me now Tammy. 
Now you were cautioning me on that other part. I need some amens on this part. I blew by your caution. <laughs> that was a decision too. <laughs> I knew what I was doing. Can we just, let me just say, where you sit in this house matters. If you can worship on that side, in the back front side, great. I don't even really care where you sit. As long as you can worship wherever you're sitting. But if you can't worship with all of your heart where you're sitting, get up right now and go move to some place where you can worship God. Don't spend the duration of your time coming here every Sunday and sitting in a place where you know you can't get a hold of God. Maybe we should build the next church with just two rows. It's a long auditorium. Front and second, that's it. As far as the eye can see. Uh huh. I promise you, when I get to a place where I know I need God, it doesn't matter where I'm sitting, I'm going to get a hold of God. But if I can't get there, if I can't get a hold of God where I'm sitting, I'm going to change because I've come for a purpose. I've got to make a choice. It matters where I'm at. I had to tell you that these decisions, life, life choices and decisions are not minimal. They're not trivial. They make an impact on your life for years and decades to come. I have a little book, consumer report book. And it tells me all the research that was done on microwaves and vacuum cleaners and, and stoves and refrigerators and cars and computers and phones. And I like to read all of the the marks that are given because people are making these choices because they like the outside of something came flashy like some of the ladies make a choice about a guy because he looks kind of flashy I'm just going to tell you the bones are going to one day creak and the grinders are going to give out he better have some substance because he won't look good forever you're God in heaven that's that just went over like a lead balloon man this ain't flying I'm just going to tell you all you people who think you're going to cash in your husband for a new one that new husband is going to start smelling he got stinky socks too I don't care who you're passing, trading in one guy for another guy. I'm going to just tell you right now, there's a dirty clothes hamper in the next house you frequent. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a choice you're making. You want to make the right choices? Listen, I know where I'm at. I know it's Sunday night. I know my audience. I know my people. But I also know the Spirit of God. And I know what I've got to deliver to you. You're going to make some choices. They are life choices. You've got to be very sober in this world. Don't think that what you're doing right now doesn't matter. It matters where you are. It matters who your friends are. It matters who your acquaintances are. Don't always get around people who are trying to lift them up all the time. If all of your friends are low and you're always trying to lift them up, don't make the excuse that you're trying to help them all the time. You are who you are with. <laughs> well, the Bible says iron sharpeneth iron. So a man sharpened the counsels of your friend. If you're a knife, you ought not be hanging around with the butter. You're going to get dull. And that's what happens to people. You start hanging around with people that are carnal. You make a choice to be with carnal people. You sit at tables where carnal conversations take place. Guess what happens to your spirit? It gets carnal. It gets carnal. You get dull. You never talk about God. You never talk about the sermon. You never talk about prayer. You never open up the Bible. Let me tell you all that you need to do. Let me just put it succinctly. The conclusion of the matter is fear God. And obey his word. This is the conclusion of the whole matter.
I tell you what, I don't want a friend that mocks the church and mocks God and mocks holiness and mocks tongues and mocks commitment and mocks congregation consecration. I want a friend that can fear God because he is the Lord God Almighty and there's none like him. I'm making a choice and I've had to make these choices and they've been difficult and they've been hard because I've had great friends that left the truth. I love them, my bosom friends, my, 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 my lifelong friends. All the time we spent together, all the hours we spent together, all the music we made together. But I finally had to say to so many of them, when one of my friends had children, I was so glad he had children, him and his wife, and I was so happy about him. I didn't know his wife real well, but I'd been friends with him a long time. Finally, after all these years being friends with him, but he left the truth, and he left everything that we believed, and he left exclusivism. I'll tell you what happened to me. I, I couldn't come to have conversations because it always ended at the same place. How y'all doing? How are the kids getting along? How's your wife? Everybody's good. That's it. Nothing more. Nothing more. I'll tell you why. I had to make a choice. I've got to be around somebody who sharpens me up a little bit. I can't be around somebody who's always dragging me down. I've told you this before. One of our first dates that I went on with Tammy, we went to the bayous of Louisiana. She said, come on, I'm going to introduce you to some new things. And we got smelt. It's meat called smelt. It's nasty, red, bloody meat. Just nasty meat. We got it from the grocery store. We got packages of smelt and, and really heavy twine. And, and, and we didn't even have a hook. She said, we're going to go fishing. You go fishing with bloody meat and no hook? <laughs> That's right. We got on those bayous and we got on the pipes that kind of went across the little bayou and the little water looked like swampland down there. And she said, now, get the meat out. Ugh. I remember her saying this. You're no city boy. I've been to your house. We got to, she bought me roper boots. That was fun. I tied the meat on the end of that, of that heavy twine. And she dragged a cooler out of her dad's uh, garage. And I said, something's wrong with this cooler. It has no lid on it. She said, we don't need a lid. We're going fishing. What in the world? This is the craziest thing. Bloody meat, heavy twine, and a cooler without a lid. It was okay. I was about to make another decision right there. I got to get rid of this girl. I don't know what she's talking about. <laughs> we hung that smelt down into the water and just jerked it up. All of a sudden, a crab lo just locked onto that meat, started eating. We just pulled that crab up. I was going, wow. She dumped it in the, in the, in the open container. She said, come on, we got to get another one real quick. Because if we don't get another one, the first one will get out. When we had two crabs in the cooler without a lid, they made sure that the other one could never get out. And the more crabs we had in the cooler without a lid, the safer they were. Because crabs always pull you down. Crabbing about this, crabbing about that, murmuring, complaining about this, murmuring, complaining about that. I'll tell you what, you're around murmuring, complaining. You chose those people and there. You're never going to get out of your dilemma. You're going to stay down in there. Yeah, oh yeah, yes, yeah. If you describe your friends as crabby, you got to get a new set of friends. You need somebody that will lift you up. You need somebody that when you're in your darkest day, you need to choose somebody that will say, you're going to get out. You're going to make it. You're not going to fail. You're not going to lose. I see an overcomer. I'm making a choice. And my choice is my friendship and my relationships. Because after I choose her and after I choose him, then I got to choose somebody here. And I'd like to be around somebody 
who sees the brightness coming. I need to be around somebody who won't pull me down, but they'll lift me up. Even when I don't think that I'm worthy of it, and I don't think I've got the strength, I need somebody to say, you're going to make it, and we're going to overcome, and we're not going down, and we're going to have revival, and somebody's going to be healed, and someone's going to be restored, and the Holy Ghost is going to break out. I'm making a choice. I'm going to tell you right now, you marry poorly, you may struggle for many years to come and never get back to where you are right now. Mm -hmm. And I'll just throw it out for you because I've had to make this choice. The pastor you choose is the voice that you allow to speak into your life. And I'm under no illusion that because you call this your house, you've made me your pastor. You ought to just know this. I'm not the best and I'm not the greatest, but I am yours. <laughs> it could be I'm the tallest pastor you'll ever have. <laughs> I don't know. Uh-huh. Let me just tell you. There's some choices you should not make. That you don't know you're making. You ought to pray. And be sober minded. That whatever you choose. You've chosen that with prayer. With fasting. With dedication. When the church. Called me. And we came. October the 10th. Of 1999. And we walked in. And we had a great move of God. Sunday morning. Sunday night. When I was walking out, they said, are you going to be the next pastor? And I said, no, but I'll, I, don't, I don't think so. Walked, was walking out. And I said, but I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and I'll fast and I'll pray. And I'll call you on Wednesday and let you know. Because it was too big of a decision to change course and to come to Terre Haute. I'd never been to Terre Haute except for the Shoney's to have soup. And Shoney's is gone. I think it's changed hands a couple times. They do serve soup. I wouldn't recommend going there. I don't know what kind of soup that is. There's stains in that soup. If you drink any deadly thing, it will not harm you. But I wouldn't tempt God. (laughs) We'll make that choice. Mm -hmm. And on Wednesday, they called me and I said, I feel released. I'll let you vote on us and we'll pray. And the next few days, the Lord worked it out. And the church invited us and we came. And now 20 years later, I'm standing here because I made a choice back then. But before I ever got to that choice, I made another choice. And that choice came when I was 12. When a preacher got up to preach and I felt the call to take a day and fast. And I went on a fast. And then later on, when I was, uh, later on in my teen years, I went on another fast. It was a seven day fast. And I dreamed every day and night, I dreamed of Red Lobster. We didn't have Red Lobster in our town. Remember? You had to go down to the city to get Red Lobster. And I dreamed of it every night. And what led me to pray in the fast was the decision I first made when I was 12. So I don't want to take anything lightly here tonight because there's some 12-year-olds. You're going to make a decision whether or not you're going to serve God. Don't settle. Don't settle for mediocrity. Don't settle for bland services. Don't settle for watching someone sing on the platform and clap and lead in worship. Don't settle for that. Join them. Let the whole congregation be the praise and worship team. You 
you make a choice every time you're coming in here. You choose whether or not to say amen. You choose whether or not to get involved. You choose whether or not to serve. Don't come and let other people serve you. Make a choice to be a servant and a worshiper and a praiser and a, and a shouter and a dancer and a doer. I'm preaching a little bit here tonight because I don't want you to make choices that you're unaware. Sometimes we do. I've made choices. I didn't know I was making them. And some of those choices I could go back and say, oh, if I only knew that that was a pivotal life choice. I say to all of us tonight, we've got some decisions to make. You're... You're approaching some major decisions. I feel this in the spirit. And you've got to know. You've got to get in the prayer room and pray. You've got to seek God. You've got to find a spiritual brother or a godly sister. And talk to them and say, help me a little bit with this choice. And before you step off and make lifetime decisions and lifetime choices, you better get with God and fear God. You better make sure you're obeying the word of God. Because I'll tell you what the, I'll tell you what the preacher said. He said, I remember when I was young. So remember your creator. Remember him because there's going to come a day when you're not able to do everything you used to do. You're not able to do it all. And whatever you do now is going to make decisions going to make a, a result or a, or, a, or, a, or a ramification of the future we're, we're, we're looking at this right now we're looking at CTE we're looking at this brain damage CTE because young men that weigh 260 pounds 280 pounds are running the 440 in under 5 seconds mm-hmm. and they're playing football and they think because they got a little padding and a helmet that they're okay. And they're running into another guy that's 280 pounds that can run the 440 in 4.8 seconds. And they're colliding. Their brains are being rattled. Your brain can only take so much trauma. And then they turn 40 years old and they've been gone from the NFL for 15 years. And now they can't think straight. Their knees are wobbly. they got all this muscle, but, they're, but they cannot see straight. Their equilibrium is gone. Their vertical is all messed up. Everything's messed up. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because they made a choice to play in the NFL. And all the stands are full of 56 and 75,000 people. And we're clapping for these guys. But what we don't know and what they don't know is they're making life choices. They're going to come to call long before they hit the age of 40 years old. That's right. I don't even need to make the spiritual comparison. In fact, I think it stands alone. But I will tell you, some of us are running right into problems, willfully running right into things we should not run into. We're engaging in activity we should not engage in. And what we don't know is that we think we can handle it right now, but it's corrupting our lives. It's messing up our brains. It's messing up our our families and our homes because we're making choices every day of the week. And I say, fear God and obey all of his commandments. That's the conclusion of the whole matter. That's the thing of the whole matter. Don't think that you don't think that you can get by with with just making trivial thinking all these things you're doing doesn't really matter. They all matter. Don't think that you can do that and get away with it. You're not going to get away with it. At some point, it all comes to call. I didn't know I was making the choice of my life until I made it. I don't want you to make a choice of a lifetime and not have any preparation or preparedness. I say tonight, make your calling and election sure. Don't wait till you're old to make a choice to follow God. Don't wait till your body starts falling apart and your family starts falling apart. So many young couples are in this house, recently married. Let me tell you, get involved in the church with all of your heart, mind, soul, body, spirit. Hear me, young couples. If at all possible, get to the house of God every time the doors are open. Sundays, morning, night, Wednesdays, and then serve somewhere. You'll be grateful in years to come.
trust me, you'll be grateful in years to come. I'm in pretty good health. I had blood work done. I felt good about it. And the doctor said, everything's great. I knew that. Except your cholesterol is too high. That's a lie of the devil. (laughs) She said, you probably eat a lot of bacon, don't you? I said, you're not a prophet or a prophetess. I didn't say that. I said, uh, I'm sorry. (laughs) She said, I'll tell you what. I want you to take one pill every night. I'm not taking pills. She said, you've got to take pills because you have been eating too much bacon. Uh Uh-huh. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Grinders. Legs that pop and creak. What are you talking about that I'll suffer in the morning for it? What are you talking about, antacid? What is that? That the pill that you take even before you eat, because you know you're going to have indigestion. You prepare to do bad. People are taking this stuff, and I was with a man who popped a pill in his mouth. I said, what are you doing? He said, every time I eat this hot sauce, it gives me indigestion. And I said, well, don't eat the hot sauce. We have prepared ourselves for damage. I'm looking at people who have a lot of choices, whether or not they want to serve God, and whether or not they want to give, and whether or not they want to worship. I want to tell you, you're making a choice right now. You're making a choice right now. Don't be unaware that the choices you're making is going to, they're going to matter this year and next year and some year in the future they're going to matter. So I say when you get up on Sunday morning, you say I don't have any other decision but I have one choice. I got to get to the house of God. I'm going to enter his gates with thanksgiving and to his courts with praise. I'm not going to wonder and worry about what they're singing. I'm going to be my own soulless in my own pure. I'm going to join the choir and never move out of my seat. I'm going to give God my all and nobody's going to have to force me. I don't need a performance. I've come to worship the Lord. I've chosen to serve him. Come on, you're going to make a choice right now. So when I offer this to you, it's still your choice. Oh, clap your hands, all ye people. Oh, people of the Most High God, shout, rejoice, love, serve, fear him. Hey. Come on, all the people. We got to make a choice today. We're going to make it tomorrow. We're going to serve God on Monday. Get up on Monday. Tomorrow morning, you get up and say, it's a great day. This is the day that the Lord hath made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it. It's a choice out of my own mouth. Open up your Bible tomorrow. Come on, everybody. Don't just clap and nod. Open up your Bible tomorrow. And read something in the Bible. And whatever you read, hopefully it's the right scripture, obey it. (laughs) I mean, if it's Judas hanging himself, don't do that. I mean, have a little sense about you. Open up the book. Follow the scripture. Find out what the word says. Find out what the Bible says about how to live and peaceably holiness and separation and godliness and wholehearted worship and it's all in the book it's easy just open up that book and read it it's right there it's beautiful the lessons given in the old testament the beatitudes peace and patience and all the things righteousness pursue them hear me young men and young women if my math is correct and we've had a lot of weddings here. But if my math is correct, we could have three times the amount of weddings in one year because of the age of the young people if you all so choose to get married before you're 23. 
want you to have 20 weddings in a given year if everybody that would just get married like right before 24. Now, I'm not, I'm not recommending that. I'm not recommending that. I'm just saying. You're making a choice. Choose to serve God. And then choose somebody who also serves God. And choose the Lord. And may I just say, choose the church. You're going to have options. Choose the church. Choose Sunday night. I wish everybody would choose Sunday night. Choose Wednesday. Amen. All right, I'm through. I wish I could just say it all over again. I'm I'm burdened by it. I'm, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you.